I will absolutely be a fan of bass holes now. All right, guys, welcome back today for this episode of Timberwolves Talk. Um, we got a special reoccurring guest on the show. Our, I think it's our he's our first reoccurring guest. So we got Darren Wolfson in the building again. So thank you very much for coming on. What's up, bass holes? I don't know if I'm special. <laughs> or you're special. And it might have just been a situation where you guys emailed me and I said, sure, I'll hop back on. And that's how I'm a second time guest. I don't know if there's anything special about it. But thank oh, you. It's special. You might you might be in the Bass Hole Hall of Fame after this. Hey, it would be one Hall of Fame, right? You gotta, <laughs> That's right. You start somewhere, right? So if, if I can make the Bass Hole Hall of Fame, sign me up. All right, we'll we'll Perfect. think about we'll think about that. Um, how have you been since the last time uh, last time we've had you on? What have you been up to? Trying to stay sane, trying to stay warm. Grateful that my two boys are back in school four days a week. The fifth day, just the school district that we're in has chosen to, to do the distance learning thing on, on Fridays, but grateful at least that they can be back in four days a week. Wish they could be back in five days a week. Grateful to still be working. My wife is still working. We have our health, so there really isn't anything to complain about. Definitely. That's awesome to hear. So I guess getting into a uh, little Timberwolves, what what did you think of the game last night? I thought it was another pathetic display early. I mean, and I tweeted it, it takes a special kind of ineptitude to allow 40 points in a quarter, three out of five. So it happened twice in the OKC game. And you look at that OKC team entering that, that two game stretch, that Friday, Saturday stretch, they were 28th in offensive efficiency, 28th in offensive ranking. You know, we're not talking, you know, the, the 96 bulls offense, right? So they give up all those points to OKC on Saturday. Then you would think after having some time to digest that performance from Saturday, they begin last night's game, Monday night's game by allowing what 43 points to Dallas. I mean, that just, it can't happen. There were good things the rest of the way, but last time I checked, it's a 48 minute game, not a 36 or a 24 minute game, you know? So yeah. it was, it was predictable, you know, after that first quarter. Apologies for the dog barking. Looks All like good. my shopper finally made it. 30 <laughs> minutes late, but hey, he made it. I just hope he doesn't fall on the ice. I did my best to shovel the other day, but man, when it gets this cold, the salt just doesn't work. I think he's okay, though. Yeah, you're he's driving play. a really nice car, too. I don't hey, know what Play by play. Wow, that is... That is a really nice car for the Instacart shopper. Good for him. He must be doing really well. But anyway, like it was predictable. And even when, when they cut it to three in the fourth quarter, like mm -hmm. did you – now maybe you did, but like as I'm watching, never for one second did I think, hey, the Wolves are going to win this game. That's they made it entertaining. It was fun. <laughs> Josh Richardson hits that shot to get it back to five. But even at three, even the way Malik Beasley was cooking – and I saw that Beasley nearly set a Wolves record for points in a fourth quarter. Only mm -hmm. Hollywood Robinson back in the mid-90s, a game against Cleveland. Heck, I don't even know if you guys were born then. No, we weren't. Yeah, but Hollywood <laughs> Robinson, yeah. He was, I think he was an Alabama guy. Anyway, he could really fill it up. Like, he was, he was the microwave after Vinny Johnson retired. Like, he could yeah. just come in and score in bursts. But Hollywood Robinson had, like, 23 in a fourth quarter in a game against the Cavs way back when. You know, and, and Malik nearly set uh, the record. Last yeah. night, nearly broke that Hollywood Robinson record. Had 20-something, like what, 22? I think 22. the record is 
is 23. Yeah, so, like, there were really cool things about last night's game. But never once did I think, hey, they are going to find a way to win this game. They once yeah. again got down by more than 20. I saw the note. I heard it. I was I was in the car. I was picking up my son from basketball practice. Alan Horton does a phenomenal job on the, on the radio broadcast. You guys should track down Alan for, for a conversation. Definitely. Alan had the note last night that this is now the 11th time this young season, the 11th time that the Wolves have found themselves down by 20 or more points. That leads the league, and it leads the league by a pretty healthy margin. Now, in the end, it was another close game, right? Like, you go back the last five or six games, they've all been within five points or less, right? Yeah. They can stake that claim as bad as last night was in so many different ways. They can stake the claim that, that it was a five-point game last night. But, yeah, yeah exactly. it's, it's one bad thing after another. I should have updated this as, as I prepared for this conversation. I forgot to look, but as of a couple of days ago, guys, I know the Wolves were the only team in the NBA – to not be within three games of a playoff spot. Even Washington is within three games. They won last night against Chicago. So presumably they're still within three. Detroit is, or at least was as of a couple of days ago, within three games. And it's different this year with, with seeds nine and 10, right? The play in tournament, yep. you know? So if you're within three games of the 10 seed, you can consider yourself, uh, you know, in the playoff mix when in years past, you had to obviously be within the top eight. But yeah, I mean, the Wolves are the only team not within three games of a playoff spot, but I do think there's something to be said about a youth, right? Youngest team oh, in the yeah. NBA. Exactly. Carl Anthony Towns missing most of the season. I'm not an excuse maker. I don't think they necessarily are, but those, those are facts, but it's how they're losing, right? It's like one thing to be able to accept losing. I get it young and, and missing guys. They really haven't had their full complement of guys for, for really any game. I mean, even games one and two, Jalen Noel, who's now a rotation guy, Noel didn't play in the Detroit and Utah games. Now he wasn't a rotation guy then, but like they really haven't had their full complement of guys for even one game this year. Jake Lehman was out for some games when, when his child was born, you know, so it wasn't injury related, but, but even when cat played those couple games, you know, before, before getting, you know, the, the positive COVID test, they, they didn't have Jake. So, and maybe he wasn't a rotation guy then, but now he sort of is a rotation guy. But point is they haven't had their full complement of guys for any game this year, but that still doesn't excuse them losing or at least getting down by 20 plus points, you know, so often. So it's been in many ways, it's, it's been a train wreck. I mean, I don't think there's any other way to say it. Yeah. I mean, like if, if you're five and seven going into the fourth quarter with the lead, that's not a, not a winning recipe for success, I'd say. And honestly, with all the injuries you were just talking about, now we just learned that Malik Beasley is going to, you know, have the 120 days of house arrest or whatever, possibly, but wasn't the NBA waiting till um, he got sentenced to dish out that suspension. So we could possibly seeing cat come back and now we're losing Malik. Correct. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a sizable suspension, but the anticipation, at least from the Wolf side has been once this day occurred and we always knew that February 9th was sentencing day. We always knew that, that he wasn't going to do jail time, Yeah. but that there was going to be some sort of punishment handed down. So it's home confinement. He can still play. So the home confinement technically will be served after the season. Like he's not, he's not missing any games unless the NBA decides, Hey, you're suspended for two games or three games, but I'll just tell you this, like I know people with the Wolves that are anticipating at some point here and probably pretty quick, although maybe it takes a few days, 
but that the NBA is going to hand down some sort of suspension. But I don't anticipate it being a lengthy suspension. Like I think at most three games, maybe two games, and maybe it's it's nothing. But but I do think you know just logic tells me just based on if you read the police report, if you followed the case, yep. you know with, with him pleading the way he did. Like I would be pretty surprised if if the NBA doesn't hand down some sort of suspension. I feel like that would just be such a dagger for like the Timberwolves, especially with like I mean I just feel like Malik is like the only one really who's just he's been steadily like giving it his all the whole season and he's kind of just been the guy that we can always lean towards and then now just to lose him I think would just be that would kind of be the dagger if there already is yeah I mean I don't know about the dagger Peyton but it would stink he's been their best player that's what yeah like he's not making the all-star team I, I think we know that just because the team has been so bad yeah but like his stats are right up there with with guys that will make the all-star team he's been that good yeah. credit to him and he's in phenomenal shape like I think a lot of guys you know with with just the the couple preseason games the condensed training camp I think a lot of guys needed the the early portion of the season to really work back into peak shape. Malik Beasley, credit to him. He came ready to go December 23rd. Like that first game against Detroit, he was in tip-top shape. So he's been great. He's exceeded many expectations. I mean, that contract he signed with the fourth year being a team option, that contract he signed looks like a really, really nice contract for the team. So when um when Cat comes back, do you think that uh, Malik will be able to like go back down to the third role, or do you think he's just – is he going to keep putting up numbers like this when Cat returns? Well, I mean, I think they need to still look for him. I think they need to run plays for him. I've been I've been troubled in, in some of these fourth quarters yeah. when they've gone away from him. You know, so especially if, if he's hot early on, they better darn well find a way to get him the ball and let him decide. You know, I mean, if, if a, a second body's, you know, coming his way and he needs to move the ball and, and doesn't want to take a four shot, fine. But I want him to be in a position to make a lot of decisions in games the rest of the year, even though I can argue that the rest of this season at this point, because they're not making the playoffs, I would argue a lot of the rest of this season is about the, the youth. You mm -hmm. know, we need to find out how much D'Lo and Cat can coexist. They've only played five games together. But then to me, the rest of this year is about Anthony Edwards. It's about Jada McDaniels. It's about, you know, Jarrett Culver, who should be back before the week is over, I was told. And if it's not the end of this week, it'll be early next week. You know, we yeah. still need to figure out on, on Culver. Now, I've reached a conclusion that I don't see a whole lot there, that I would trade him while you can. But I think for the Wolves' sake, they probably need to see a little bit more to, to reach that conclusion. You know, so there's other guys, right? I mean, Noel's finally getting minutes. That's something I've been pining for for a while. I'm glad he's getting minutes. The defense has a ways to go, but he can light it up. Like, he wasn't just the random Pac-12 player of the year yeah. at Washington his last year. Like – Jalen Noel is a really good player, you know? So, so keep giving him run. You've got multiple more team options on his contract, you know? So it's a really team friendly contract. So keep giving him run, you know, decide if, if he can be your seventh or eighth man, you know, one of those first guards off the bench. So that, that to me is what a lot of the rest of the year is about, mm -hmm. but yeah, in crunch time, there's something to be said about learning to win games. So yeah. I want Beasley on the court in crunch time. I want Cat on the court in crunch time. I want D'Lo on the court in crunch time. Let's see how how these guys can coexist. Yeah, most definitely. And I think, um, well, here's another thing too: is the uh, 
the left was it the left leg soreness last night because i was under the impression that it was was it the right quad that had the contusion and then the timberwolves listed as left leg soreness so i don't know if you have any insight if that's a brand new injury or if that's just maybe they messed it up well that is a brand new injury based on what they have told us i have not dug deep on on any other details but based on their announcement yes this is a new injury I don't know the exact moment it happened last night. It's unfortunate that he couldn't fight through it, couldn't come yeah. back, but it's a new injury. He felt like he he couldn't go back in. He voiced that to to Farnham and, and others with the Wolves, and it got back to Ryan, and Ryan knew not to put him back in the game when it was his turn to sub back in. You know, so hopefully it's not a not a long term injury. I I don't sense there's a whole lot of Cal Ripken Jr. in D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. But I do think that that this is an injury. Like they're not they're not tanking, as some people have suggested on social media. You know, he's not faking no. this injury. Like something did legitimately happen. I Definitely. just hope that he can be back sooner rather than later. For sure. Well, yeah, especially it'd be very unfortunate if we got Cat back and then D'Lo was out for an extended period of time because then, again, with them only playing five games together, like it just. For me, that's just so unfortunate that we bring in we bring in a second superstar and we don't even get to see him play with our superstar like at all. Well, let me offer some resistance, Peyton. All right. You tell me, tell the audience why you think D'Angelo Russell is a superstar. Because I don't see a superstar there. I really don't. I think at times he's an elite shot creator and an elite shot mm-hmm. maker, but I I I'm just telling you, Peyton, I cannot attach the, the word superstar to D'Angelo Russell. In spite of the contract, the contract would say, sure, he is a, he is a superstar, but I don't see a superstar player myself. All right. Well, did you see a superstar player in Brooklyn? I did for, for the stretch of after they were 8-18, eight and 18, and then they made the playoffs as a sixth seed. Was that his last year there, t- two years ago? And it might have been his last year. One of the seasons he was there, I think it was, was it 18, 19, 17, 18, whatever it was, they started eight and 18. And then they ended up at 40 wins. So from, from the game 26 mark on those final 55 games of, of that regular season. Yeah. He had, he had some superstar in him. I also think that the supporting cast there pretty darn underrated. Oh, yeah. Like, I know that, you know, Jared Allen isn't a household name. Joe Harris is now, what, like a $100 million player, but yep. not a household name. I think those guys were also pretty darn good the rest of that season. That I think it's complimentary parts a lot better than a lot of people want want to give uh, credit to. But, yeah, he for, – for that stretch, yes. But is it also possible that that was an outlier? True. That the real D'Angelo Russell isn't the player that we saw for those 55 games. I think that is possible. I do. But that is that is the comeback. Like if if people say that D'Angelo Russell isn't a winner, and I've even I'm guilty of that. I've suggested that. Anybody can come back to me and say, Well, what about that run with the Nets? He right. carried them, he led them to the playoffs. Now, granted, they still finished with a losing record, but to come yeah. back from from the hole that they dug to get the sixth seed and it helped that the Eastern conference was incredibly weak that year. Like there are years when you win 40 games and you don't make the playoffs right in that year, yeah. they went 40 and they're the sixth seed. Like that's, <laughs> that's pretty rare, but Hey, 
you, you don't have to apologize if, if the competition isn't playing good basketball, right? I mean, they did what they had to do and, and they accomplished the six seed. But I just think if you look at the total body of work, if you talk to people with the Warriors, with the Lakers, now he's pretty immature with the Lakers, but you talk to some of those folks, like they're going to offer resistance to you. I'm just telling you on, on your suggestion that he's a superstar. Yeah, I think, um, I guess I would say he has, I think he has super, the potential to be a superstar. And I think that if, I think if you look at his supporting cast here, I would argue that it's probably just as equal as the, as the Brooklyn one, to be honest, if you, if it were at full strength, <laughs> if we're at I full strength. I don't think this roster, even full strength, Peyton, and it's just, it's, it's my opinion, yeah. right? You can have any opinion you want, but I respectfully disagree because I think this roster lacks toughness, mm-hmm. lacks cohesion, lacks some mental capacity, like they're not running a, a super complicated offensive or defensive system yet. We see breakdown after breakdown. Yeah. Right. So even, even as, as generic as, as some of the stuff they run, if the players can't grasp that, that's troubling now on an individual level. Yes. They have a lot of guys that, that were either McDonald's all Americans, right? Jared Vanderbilt, Nas Reed, like they have guys that were McDonald's all Americans were highly ranked coming out of high school. But to me, that doesn't mean that they're that they're great NBA players, that they're great NBA team players, able yeah. to play in a system, able to play competent defense. So I don't know about that. I think this roster still has still has a lot of warts. Yeah, I I would add on that onto that too is that 2018 Brooklyn team, I think part of the reason they were so good is I think Dinwiddie's got to be one of the best two-way players in the league. I think he's an amazing playmaker. He's great defensively and he can, he can score. And it's the same with Jared Allen too. He is, he is just such a presence in the paint and we don't have that at the moment. And he can grab every single rebound that comes down to him. Joe Harris can shoot the lights out. That team I just think was a bit more complete and cohesive than the Wolves roster is at the moment. I'm not saying the Wolves don't have as much talent because I think they, they do have as much just pure talent, but I just think the Brooklyn team played a little bit better as a team. So what, what could we do with our roster in order to make it like that for D'Lo to maybe put him in the best situation to become the superstar that he was with the Nets? What could we, what are some changes we could make to the, to our roster for that? I'm not in favor of firing Ryan Saunders, but the easy comeback to that Peyton is the coach of that Brooklyn Nets team is available. Now he's on the bench of, of who the LA Clippers, but Kenny Atkinson is not a head coach. Like you could hire Kenny Atkinson. Mm-hmm. as as the head coach right like he knows he knows how to maximize D-Lo. d'angelo's potential right so that might be the the easy comeback they still need a rim protector they still need a, a competent power forward they still need shooting <laughs> yeah. like there's a lot of things they need i mean they certainly need a dog right however you want to define dog right that that it factor however you want to define it like a PJ Tucker, right? Yep. Like PJ, PJ influences winning. But if you look at the box score, there's Not nothing there. Like you don't yeah. want PJ Tucker on your fantasy team, right? <laughs> but, but he impacts winning. Yeah. He just does. And there's a history of that, right? Like you need, you need a guy like that. One could argue that, that James Johnson could be helping this roster, even if not a ton on the court. You know, just a lot behind the scenes, even though behind the scenes, 
you know, they're limited in many ways, you know, with, with COVID, this isn't the old behind the scenes. Like, you know, there's, there's only a certain amount of time they can, they can be in the locker room that they can be at the practice facility. You know, they have to arrive, you know, a certain time before games, like they can't get there at three o'clock unless they're undergoing treatment. But like, if you want to just get there at three o'clock to get out on the, on the floor to, to get some early shots and hang out with guys that can't happen you know, during these COVID times, but guess what? Every team is dealing with that. This isn't unique here to Minnesota. And that's why, like, when I talk about youth and there's something to be said about them being the youngest team in the NBA, I get that. But like last time I checked, look at Memphis last year, Memphis had enough success. They were the eight seed heading into the bubble. You know, Portland ended up getting that eight seed, you know, but, but Memphis was right there until the end last season competing for a playoff spot memphis is is in the mix right now right yes and has has jaron jackson jr played at all this year not a minute so they've been down one of their best players morant missed what three-ish weeks with that ankle injury he still isn't even playing great ball like i know there's a lot more there with john moran i i can't imagine he's 100 just looking at, at at some of the some of the lines that he's produced and they haven't been bad, but I just think John Morant is so darn good. Yeah. But like John Morant rookie point guard comes in last year and just elevated them. Like, so it's possible. It's, it's very possible, you know? So there are still issues here. Like you can win with, with young guys. Right. So that points to, you know, uh, there's a lot of people at, at fault, right? Like I know Ryan, is, is, you know, on the chopping block of, of a lot of fans that he's number one, but David Vanterpool is in charge of the defense. Now the defense was better before these last two games for about a two, three week stretch. It was upper half of the league in yeah. terms of defensive rating. But then the last two games, Saturday and Monday, blah defense, right? Vanterpool's in charge of the defense. Gerson is the one who put this roster together. Internally, it wasn't just Glenn Taylor that thought, hey, like I expect the playoffs, Jake Lehman went on record saying, you know, we should be a playoff team. There were others behind the scenes that said this should be a playoff team. And again, cat's been out. I, I get that, but they shouldn't be losing how they're losing. And they shouldn't be quite this bad. Like they yeah. should at least have a couple more wins. Yeah, right? I, I agree. Like, they shouldn't be at six. They should be at, at eight or nine wins at least right now, even minus cat. Like, Cat shouldn't be that important. If if that guy is that important, then the rest of the roster is is broken in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think uh, the biggest problem I've seen so far, honestly, has to be this: every single time a big man comes to town, whoever it is, it doesn't matter if it's Mike Muscala, <laughs> old Al Horford, Clint Capella, they're they're getting these extreme numbers off every single big we put on them and I, I get like cat's defense it, it just goes to show that even cat's defense who we don't think is a great defender at least can protect the rim a little bit but it seems like every single like rim runner like drummond or capella is getting a 2020 game and you're not going to win when you get out rebounded that bad and just let that let up that many points in the paint chris sing it i mean they've given up so many points in the paint <laughs> it's it's been atrocious so yeah do i think they've actually missed cat's defense very, very small sample size, but the Detroit game, the Utah game before he got hurt, then those two games, was it was it Memphis and San Antonio? Yes, yep. 
the defense looked better. Yeah. With right? one arm. Yeah. With one arm, exactly. I mean, it, it looked, it looked a lot better. He was super engaged on defense. So like, do I think Clint Capella, the one game against Atlanta where he had what, like 20 and 20 at 20 something rebounds, 20 something points, a bunch of block shots. 13. Do blocks, I think, yeah. yeah. Do I think Capella does that? If, if cat plays 42 minutes that game or 37 minutes, Probably not, but like, do I think the Wolves win that game with Cat? I don't. That game that Capella went off, go back and look at the box score. Trey Young didn't do a whole lot. John Collins didn't do a whole lot, you know, in terms of, of impacting the scoring. I mean, they just, neither one took a lot of shots, right? So, like, if Cat plays, Trey Young takes more shots. Cat plays, John Collins takes more shots. I still think Atlanta would have won the game, but yeah. yeah. They, they definitely miss. It sounds funny saying this because before these four games or so of this year, if you go back about 80-something games, Cat's defense was was really, really bad, right? But, like, yeah, he, he started to show enough of a pulse where you're like, yeah, they really, really miss his defense. And I, I, I didn't think we, we'd be saying that. I, no. I thought we'd be saying we certainly miss his offense, right? you miss a lot of things about cat. I, I didn't think we'd be saying that, that they really miss his defense, but they really do. Yeah. And I think that's just, I don't know. It's just a beneficiary of honestly having Jer- or Jared Vanderbilt at center. I think he's a true power forward. And when you put him on a giant big like that, when Ed Davis gets into foul trouble or Nas Reed's in foul trouble, it's just, there's nothing you can do. They're going to win the, the paint battle no matter what. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Jared Vanderbilt is what, maybe 218, 220? Yeah. I mean, he might be more a three slash four. Honestly. I mean, the shooting isn't there necessarily. So I get it that that he probably needs to, for the most part, guard fours. But yeah, you certainly don't want him guarding guarding fives. And even Ed Davis. I mean, I don't think there's there's a lot there with Ed Davis. No. You know, like you're playing Cleveland, like Cleveland right now is running out of lineup with, with Jared Allen and Andre Drummond, just because Allen is, is that versatile and that good on defense yep. that he can guard some fours. Like, yeah, you don't want Jared Vanderbilt out there if you're playing Cleveland or the yeah. Lakers are, are playing AD and, and Gasol enough when AD is healthy. Right. So, I mean, there's enough teams playing, playing multiple bigs. I mean, that's why, that's why I would have at least explored taking James Wiseman. Like I thought, you know, there would have been a way now you might've had to have Wiseman guard fours, which maybe wouldn't have made a whole lot of sense that, that he's the better rim protector. So you want him guarding fives, but I don't know. You know I don't know if, if cat's in a position to be guarding fours, but I, I would have explored it because it would have created so many nightmares for, for the opposition on, on defense you know, but, but there might be something to be said that, that the system that they're running, the small ball system, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not going to work, right? It it may work at at some level where, where they're better than this, you know, but D'Angelo isn't James Harden. Like if you're trying to, to duplicate what, what Gerson had in Houston, like you don't have that. And even that only worked to, to a certain extent. You know, and, yeah. and so I, you know, I, I think one, one need for them, you know, probably not here in the next few weeks pre-trade deadline, but in the off season, 
is is to find a a true rim protector. I still want Nasri getting minutes, but I, I think they need another enforcer inside. Yeah. So my next my next question actually was going to be: Is there anyone? Is there any names that you could see possibly being linked to the Timberwolves in the next coming weeks before the deadline? Well, I mean, we know that they had interest in in Aaron Gordon, who's now hurt. Yeah. We know that they had interest in Larry Nance Jr., who's now hurt. <laughs> we know that they had interest in in PJ Tucker. They chased free agents like Jamichael Green, uh, Derek Jones Jr. in Portland, Jay Crowder oh. in Phoenix. I don't think any of those guys are, are being moved. But pretty quick here, those guys that signed as, as free agents are eligible to, to be traded. And P.J. Tucker is a free agent. Like, would it just make some sense to wait until after the season, you know, and, and chase him in free agency? You know, whatever the Wolves cap situation looks like, if they have the full mid-level, whatever it might be, would it make more sense to chase Tucker then as opposed to giving up an asset in a trade now? Like, how important are his bird rights? I don't know if they're they're that important. And that, but, yeah. like, a power forward. I mean, that would make the most sense. I mean – does Ed Davis want to try and join a contender? Maybe. Like, are you getting anything for Ed Davis? I mean, maybe a, a future second-round pick with all sorts of protection that eventually just goes away. But for optics, if, if you want to announce that you acquired a future draft pick, you know, there might be a trade out there for, for Ed Davis. But maybe more realistic is you just buy out Ed Davis, right, and go let him join a contender. Go back to Brooklyn or, or go somewhere, you know, sometime in – in March. I mean, otherwise, I don't think there's there's a whole lot out there. I don't think the league is knocking down the door for Jared Culver. I don't think the league is knocking down the door for Josh Okogie, but I think they need to be open-minded on, on a lot of different possibilities, you know, and clearly they, they have too many wings. Like, not all these guys can play. So, when you look at Culver and Okogie, like, if you can move one of them and you can get the right piece back, you probably should make the move. Which one would you rather have on the roster, Okogie or Culver? Who have you seen more from? Well, I mean, Okogi's shot is completely broken right now, but I still think he's their best perimeter defender. Mm-hmm. Probably best overall defender, frankly. Jarrett Culver? <laughs> I would probably take Okogi because Flip Saunders, the late Flip Saunders, always told me, like, a guy needs to have a legit NBA skill. Josh Okogi has a legit NBA skill with his defense, even if he can't shoot. Yeah, I don't know what Jarrett Culver's legit NBA skill is. So the fact that I'm still struggling, it's a good question, Peyton, but the fact that I'm struggling to figure out what Jarrett Culver's NBA skill is, work ethic maybe. I mean, I think I think there's something to be said about just outworking guys. Yeah. That 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 playing hard is a skill, but a lot of people would argue that playing hard is not a skill. That's an expectation. But I, I do think for for some guys, playing hard is a legitimate skill. I think Jared Culver probably has that, but I think the more noticeable NBA skill is Okogi's defense. So I lean Okogi with, with your question. For sure. And just like what, what kind of value do you think Culver could like, what do you think, um, what do you think we could get back for Culver even? Would do any other teams like see potential in him or. I mean, all it takes is one. So maybe, but I don't think you're getting back a lot. I mean, the question to ask would be this. Would you move Culver straight up for P.J. Tucker? Get P.J. in here to have some sort of influence, even if you're not making the playoffs this year. Yeah, Get him in here. Let him have some sort of influence on, on the locker room the rest of this season. You know, the popular buzzword in, in all the sports, not just here in Minnesota, is culture. 
right? So let him have an impact on on the Wolves' culture the rest of the way. Maybe that's not a horrible idea, you know. Then then you bring him in with 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 every intention to to re-sign him after the season. That you'd be having dialogue with his agent. Yeah. You'd have a, a decent idea of of what it would take to to sign him for the next couple of years. I mean, that to me would, would be the question because I would imagine Houston would probably do that if they anticipate losing Tucker after the season anyway, if they can get back anything. So why not get back a guy in a rookie contract, the former number six overall pick that maybe has a chance, Texas native, you know, but, but a lot of people might say, why the heck would you give up Jared Culver? You know, you just moved up in the draft for him a year ago, two drafts ago. Why would you do that for a pending free agent? A lot of people might say that's that's idiotic, that's moronic, but like that's probably the kind of deal that you'd be looking at. Because isn't the I don't I don't know I'm just because obviously there was a lot of buzz the last time we talked about the PJ Tucker thing, and I was just wondering was the deal too steep that they couldn't get it done back then, or are they still inquiring, just picks or something? Well, they had pick seventeen on the table. I mean, they you know they were willing to do some things, and Houston just said no. I mean. Houston didn't trade him, right? So, yeah. you know, Houston probably felt like when James Harden was there at the time that they try to run that thing back through and see where they went after 15 or 20 games, then reassess, you know, then, then things blew up with, with James. But at the time, you know, draft night, pre-draft, there were certainly whispers out there that Harden won it out. But at yeah. that point, my sense is Houston's intentions were we're not trading James Harden. So – we want PJ Tucker here. PJ is going to help us with James. Like we can't move PJ Tucker pick 17, you know, now this draft looks like it's going to end up being a lot better than a lot of us thought, but at the time, maybe pick 17 wasn't, wasn't all that appealing, you know? So I think Houston just looked at it and said, PJ's too valuable to us. We still have, you know, some big time expectations this particular season with James, we need PJ here with James. So we're not taking pick 17 for PJ Tucker. Definitely. So we've had, we've had a decent amount of games to, uh, to watch Anthony Edwards. And I know last time you came on the show, you, uh, I think you were pretty positive on him. What do you, uh, are you still positive on Anthony Edwards or would you have rather had us take someone else? I guess, I know you said James Wiseman, but what are your thoughts on that Anthony Edwards draft pick? Well, yeah. I mean, I went on the record saying that, that yeah. Wiseman was my guy. I also said there is the audio. You can track it down we will. that you could make a strong case that if you're chasing a third superstar, Bradley Beal, Ben Simmons, you name the third superstar, right? And again, we can debate D'Angelo Russell, but I'm talking <laughs> them internally that they view D'Angelo as, as a superstar, even if he's the third piece, that mm. he's got superstar qualities, that if you're chasing a third superstar, that the guy that, that had the highest potential trade value would have been LaMelo Ball. And he's kicking ass, right, down in, down in Charlotte. I mean, he's the clear-cut right now rookie of the year, and this is coming from, from a pretty big Tyrese Halliburton fan. Yeah. And Halliburton has been really good. Very good. Last week. James Wiseman, unfortunately, hurt. But, like, we saw how good he can be in those games against the Wolves. Like, remember that block shot against Lehman? And mm-hmm. then he runs down the court, beats guys down the court, and then dunks it from, like, 10, 12 feet line, out. Yeah. Like it's always, you can't teach that. Like that is, that is, <laughs> that is off the charts, you know, to use a, a term that the young kids love sick, right? Like that was sick. Right. So like, we've seen a lot from, from those guys, but on Anthony, we've seen enough, you know, I mean, he can do a lot of different things. You know, I, I don't like him taking 
all the threes that he's been taking. Like I want him attacking the hoop literally every time he gets the ball. Like Seriously. I feel like, like in due time, he's going to get more and ones. Like he's not finishing at a high rate at the rim, but I think that's coming. And, it's and I think him getting to the free throw line more is, is coming. The defense still needs work, but I, I think that can be said about a lot of guys. Like let's not forget Anthony Edwards could be a freshman at Georgia right now. He reclassified. He's still really young. So there's enough there that I would bet on Anthony Edwards long-term. Like there's enough there that I, that I really like, but I will tell you guys, I do worry about him reaching his full potential in this environment that just things are so broken here. So messed up in so many ways that, that can he reach his full potential in this climate? That's a very, yeah. Good, yeah. And I mean, that's, that's just horrible, obviously, because I think he's got a really high ceiling as a scorer. But I think there's a lot of players on this roster that do or try to do the same sort of things as him. Like you have D'Lo, Cat, and Malik that are really high-volume scorers, so you're kind of taking his best aspect away from his game and forcing him into do play, being a really big off-ball player, which obviously he wasn't really an off-ball player at all in college. So I, I would really worry for him too. And I think um, another thing in that draft was – is at 17, I was really high on Precious Achua, and now seeing him play like for the Heat is exactly what we need right now. So that one really stings a little bit. They liked him a lot too, Chris, pre-draft. Yeah. Like they had a pretty healthy grade on Achua. Uh, In fact, I think if they had stayed at 17, like I think, Adam. yeah, I think he was their guy. Yeah, wow. remind me where Sadiq Bay went. I, I think there was definitely some interest in Sadiq Bay too, Pistons, who ended up in Detroit. Nope. Did he go like pick 18? 18. Yep. Go right after. But he was he was right in that mix too. But yeah, I think the Memphis kid, I think if they had stayed at 17, that was their guy. They also would have considered McDaniels at 17. I mean, that's how much they yep. really liked Jaden McDaniels. Credit to to that scouting staff and, and to that front office for for nailing McDaniels. I mean, you can see that there's there's enough there. And he's engaged on defense, right? Like yeah, there's he, not many guys on that team, right? Okogi and but it's a short list that, that are truly engaged on defense. McDaniels is engaged on defense. So to get him at 28, that was that was a big time win. So I think he would have been under consideration at 17, but I think Ochua would have been their guy. Yeah, he looks yeah. good with Miami. I'm with you. Yeah, I've really seen does. some comments. That, yeah. I've seen some comments on uh McDaniels that so we've kind of been playing him at the four a little bit. I've seen some comments that I feel like, and I kind of agreed with him that he needs to be more of a three level. He's more of a three, I think, than a four. Kind of like KD. I think we should play him in like a KD type role. You know what, though? I like his length so much and his ability to alter shots that I'm okay if he's defending closer to the basket. I mean, truly, you are who you guard, right? You're not, mm -hmm. you're not a three or a four just based on, on offense. I mean, a lot of those positions are, are interchangeable in, in, in the modern day NBA, like yeah. an offense, you know, like is Cade Cunningham a point guard next year? He's probably more like a, a point wing, right? So yes. like, do you consider Cade Cunningham a one, a two, a three? He's probably all of the above for sure in some ways. Right. So you are who you, who you end up guarding. So I don't mind McDaniels guarding a lot of fours, especially yeah, with fours that, that are playing around the perimeter a lot more now, you know, and, and try to end up, you know, slashing to the hoop, you know, that, that he can alter enough shots. I'm, I'm okay with him now in stretches. Can he guard threes? Yeah, I'm okay with that. But I just think Peyton, if, if he's guarding fours, that's okay too. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. And he's shown us that he can play great defense on fours. So yeah. 
He's been good. I mean, he just, he has been, you know, there were, there were some red flags at Washington with all the technical fouls and, and he came off the bench, you know, late in the season. And, you know, he, you know, frankly, you know, there, there were, there were concerns, right? I mean, that's why you end up going 28, right? Just based on, on pure talent, he was probably a top 15 pick. So he fell on the draft with, with those concerns. And, you know, it, it certainly didn't help that, that the normal pre-draft process didn't occur. Like if he could have traveled to go visit teams, you know, with, with a real combine and all that, maybe that would have helped his cause to, to really get face to face as opposed to doing conversations like this with front offices, you know, maybe really, you know, diving deep with the team, you know, being able to visit a team that could have helped him, you know, but Hey, credit for, for the wolves finding him, you know, late that, that he has a chance. Like I, I really like him. I, I like him a lot, you know? So, Hey, good for him for getting all those technicals and, <laughs> and Washington being a pretty bad team that, yeah. that he fell all the way to 28. I'm sure there's some teams in the mid twenties really kicking themselves that they don't have him right now. Yeah, I'd agree. I think, I think honestly, this draft, I, I love the draft so far, but I think even the jury is still out because we don't even know what Balmero looks like. So I, I don't know. I, I still can't give it a complete draft grade, but I really, I really did like what we did. Well, I mean, if that's the case, Chris, I mean, I don't think Balmero is over here next year. I mean, I think it's, it's a couple of years. So really? yeah. like if you're, if you're reserving judgment until Balmero comes over, you're going to be waiting a while. <laughs> oh, heard that, heard that before in the Timberwolves. Waiting. But he's in a good system. Like he's playing for a really good coach overseas. Yeah. He's not getting a whole lot of minutes, a little bit more, I think in Spanish league, although I haven't looked recently, but when they're playing those EuroLeague games, they're deep enough. And, and those games are competitive enough, you know, with the stakes really, really high, like second best league in the world yeah. that he's not really earning minutes, but in Spanish league games, he's, he's been getting some run. He's had a couple decent games, you know, going back a, a handful of weeks, but I haven't looked in, in recent weeks, but I've, I've been in touch with some people that, that, that are stationed over there. My buddy, Jason, who used to scout for the Blazers, he's based in Italy. He follows the EuroLeague and, and Spanish leagues really, really closely. So I've been in contact with him a good amount, but that's probably a reminder that I need to touch base with Jason again, <laughs> just to get an update on Balmaro. But, yeah. but the point is like, I don't expect him over here for two years. So it's fun tracking him, but I'm only going to track him so much when I know it's, it's so far away from him being here in Minnesota. Definitely. Definitely. So I got one, one last question about the wolves here, but what do you think the issue with the Ricky Rubio situation is right now? I, my opinion, it, it just looks like he seems so tense with the ball every time he brings up the court. And I think, I, I don't know what's contributing to him playing so different this year. Well, let me start with his positive COVID test in the summer. Yeah. He's back. They've cleared him to be back, but are there any true lasting effects from, from COVID? I mean, it's just a reminder that COVID sucks, right? That, that it's yeah. taken cat all this time, you know, with, with the lung capacity, yeah. you know, there's, there's other examples. I was watching HBO real sports last week. There's a WNBA player used to play for, for the New York Liberty. She hasn't been able to pick up a basketball in five months. Like she's alive, thankfully, but, yeah. but like life as she knew it doesn't exist anymore. Right. So I know Ricky's out there, but, but is the potential of, of some lasting effects from COVID a possibility. I don't have that answer, but, but that is something I, I do wonder about. Then it just, it appears like he's, he's forcing things oftentimes, right? I mean, he's made a lot of careless passes, passes that I don't remember him making in yeah. Phoenix or, or Utah. And then the, the shot just, 
not that he's been a good shooter, but he shot better. You know, I yeah. seem to remember the, the shot, shot being a little bit better the last couple of years. Yeah. And I don't, I don't see that. So, and then I wonder about just the, the shape he's in. So, I mean, is that a lasting effect from COVID that, that even 20 something games in, he's still not in the shape that, that he's used to being in. Like he just, you know, and, and I don't know if I'll ever talk about that, you know, but that's just something I wonder about. Like, is he in, is he in peak Ricky Rubio shape? I, I wonder about that. I do, you know, so I think it's a combination of a lot of things, but frankly, and it stinks to say this because I like Ricky the person, but that trade has been a failure. It just, it has been. I mean, if you could go back and reverse that trade, you would go back and reverse that trade in a heartbeat. Definitely. I, I just think the biggest, the biggest thing I've seen with him is every time he goes in the paint, I I feel like he forces something or he takes that little one-legged floater jump shot. I don't even know what it is. Not a pretty looking shot. I don't, Dave Ben said it last night. He, He said, Ricky might be shooting in the low teens when he's taking that shot yeah i don't know what the numbers are but but that sounds probably close to right that goes back to to forcing things i mean you know look at some of the the lineup combinations that he's played with and he might feel like with with second and first year players that that he needs to he needs to take more of the initiative but that's not really his game you know so it's just it's 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 not a good match when he's on the floor with D'Lo. It's not Terrible. a good match. I understand Ryan saying that, that in his system, he really feels like multiple ball handlers is beneficial, but having those two in particular, it's not beneficial. Like having Rubio and D'Lo together is a really bad combination. I just wonder if, if at this point, if you can use his contract, which is expiring after next season. So this might be more realistic in the off season, not at the trade deadline. But can you use his contract in a trade? I mean, it's really it's gotten to that point for me. And that would hurt all of our uh, all the Minnesota sports fans' hearts. But it might that might be the best move for the Timberwolves, honestly. And he just seems like he's playing out of character. I know you kind of said that because, like, when I before this season, when I think Ricky Rubio, I think very smart player, like very uh, assist to turnover ratio, very good. And then he just looked so. You got to think it might be like mental. He's just. Um, might be in his own head a little bit oh i think there's probably something to be said about that right just not looking i mean confident. they have you know the wolves have a, a sports psychologist on staff for a reason like we don't talk about that side of things very often but yeah the, the mental part of things 100 percent. i mean I, I can't tell you with 100 certainty because i haven't talked to ricky or anybody close to ricky anytime recently but sure is it is it fair to opine about that about him getting into his own head more than, than he has in years because of this roster that he doesn't have the surrounding cast he had in Utah or Phoenix, that this is a completely different animal in so many ways for Ricky. Yeah. I think Peyton, that, that is plenty fair to, to at least wonder about. Yeah. I got, actually, I got, oh. this is uh this is actually a Minnesota sports question in general, but coming, coming from a bears fan, JJ or Justin Jefferson, I think, was completely robbed of rookie of the year. I don't know how I don't, I just, it's the quarterback award. I don't get it. Yeah. I made that point on, on social media and I had some people offering resistance, which that's fine. And their resistance is legit that if you go back many, many, many years, there's a lot of running backs and wide receivers that have won that award. Percy Harvin, former Viking 
won that award. Love him. But yeah, since 2004, so what is that, 16, 17 awards? Nine have been quarterbacks. So yes, the trend has been that it's a quarterback award. Justin Herbert did a lot of special things for the Chargers. He set records. He also set records that were set just two years ago, right, by Baker Mayfield. These weren't longtime records that Justin Jefferson broke. And I thought uh, a couple people, Aaron Schatz of, of Football Outsiders and Will, who, who covers the Vikings for Sports Illustrated, they said it way more eloquently than, than I could have. And, and so I'll, I'll give them credit that, that the point to be made is Jefferson was a top five player at his position. Herbert was, we can debate exactly where, but where, maybe in that, 15-ish. 12 to 15 yeah. to yeah. 17 range. So like if, if a guy was top five at his position and the other guy was, let's just meet in the middle top 14 at his position. Why not reward the guy that was top five. And the biggest issue I have is, is how lopsided the voting was. Nine like if it was 27, 23 wow. Herbert. Sure. I, I'd understand it a little bit more 41 to nine. It wasn't even close. I mean, it wasn't even close. It was a blowout. So that didn't make sense to me. If, if I voted for that particular award, I would have voted for Justin Jefferson. Got to get you in the vote next year. Yeah. <laughs> I saw, I saw, yeah, well, quote. it's, it's yeah. Well, because it's an associated press award, it's, it's writers. Um, but that's, you know, you can nitpick a lot of these, a lot of these uh, voting procedures, like, you know, the baseball hall of fame, Vin Scully doesn't have a vote because he was a broadcaster not a one writer of the best ever yet is- there are writers in fact i know one in town that votes for the hall of fame that hasn't truly covered the twin slash major league baseball for many years now did he cover some of the guys that are eligible yes but should he have a hall of fame vote i won't name the name but do i feel like this individual should currently have a hall of fame vote because he has his 10 years of service time in the baseball writers association of america club no i don't think that gives him the right to have a hall of fame vote. So I think they need to look at the hall of fame voting in, in baseball. I think they can look at it in, in some ways in football and yeah, some of these media awards. Sure. Right. Like, yes. Now, am I asked to vote on some things? I, I vote on the, on the high school AP all football team, the all basketball team uh, for, for high school. So it's not just an associated press award that that's just writers, but for that particular award, that's writers. Like I know Mark Craig, who covers the Vikings for the Star Tribune, he had the Offensive Rookie of the Year award vote. So he actually he voted for Jefferson. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and, and I don't think that was any sort of bias. Trust me, I, no. I know Mark no. well enough. That wasn't any sort of hometown bias. He just felt like probably how I felt that if you were that good at, at your particular position, that you deserve the the award. So he was one of the nine votes for for Jefferson. But yeah, I I can argue that that the voting is is flawed in some ways. Yeah, I saw a quote on a Twitter. Yeah. I saw a tweet on Twitter where it said Herbert had a good season for a quarterback, but Jefferson had a great season for a wide receiver. So that's basically what you guys are saying. Like it just would have made I feel like it, yeah. If it was a little bit closer, at least I would feel a little bit better. Yeah, I think that's that's exactly right, Peyton. I mean, heck, imagine if Justin Jefferson had started the first two games, if he had earned more snaps in that Green Bay Oof. and Indianapolis game. And I get it, right? With the, with the condensed training camp, with, with no preseason games, it was going to be hard for any rookie 
to earn snaps week one. So I get it that there was going to be a learning curve. And the Vikings could argue that, that they needed those two weeks to continue to cultivate Jefferson, to put him in a position to dominate week three against Tennessee the way he did. But, yeah. like, imagine if he had earned more snaps weeks one and two, what the stats would have been. Like, he was, he was so darn good. I mean, it's, it's hard to, to believe that he was the fifth uh, wide receiver drafted in that class. Like, after one year, I mean, and, and I'm sure Denver loves Jerry Judy. I'm sure the Raiders love Ruggs' speed. I'm sure the Cowboys love C.D. Lamb, that, that yeah. a couple receivers went ahead of Lamb. Like, I could have made a case C.D. Lamb was the best receiver pre-draft. Like he would have been the guy I would have taken number one on, on the receiver board. And I'm sure Philly says, Hey, Jalen Rager gives us, you know, what we had with Deshaun Jackson, you know, more in his prime, not, not current Deshaun Jackson, although Jackson can still run, but yeah, Rager can stretch the field, but Jefferson can do so much in the slot out wide, you know, just the route running the hands, like there's so much to be excited about if, if you're a Vikings fan when it comes to Justin Jefferson. Yeah, my my whole argument was like if you're if you're a pro bowler, second team all pro, you're graded by pro football focus the number two wide receiver in the whole entire league, and you broke Randy Moss's rookie receiving records from the nineties against Justin Herbert, who was a good quarterback this year, but broke some Baker Mayfield touchdown records and passing records that Honestly, Trevor Lawrence has a possibility of breaking this year. I, I don't know. That's just my opinion, though. Well, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be really, really special. I mean, yeah. that is the best quarterback prospect in a long time. Maybe even, you know, going back further than, than Andrew Luck. Like, maybe yeah. if you want to go back to John Elway pre-draft. But maybe more realistically speaking, pre, pre-Andrew Luck draft. But that's still, what, seven, eight, nine years. Like, we haven't seen a quarterback prospect this good. And we've seen some good ones, but not – not this not good. So yeah, I get why Urban Meyer took that job in Jacksonville with all oh, that yeah. cap space <laughs> with the number one pick. Like that is, if you were ever going to take an NFL job and have a really good chance to win, like That's Urban Meyer knew what the heck he was doing. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it a ton. Second, you got a Basshole Hall of Fame. Boom. Yeah, there we you're go. In. You're I in. I think it. so. Well, unless yeah, I we'll see how our it. voting works, but. You might you might have made the Hall of Fame. Thanks for coming well, out. If you man. take a poll of, of my kids and my wife, they would go no, no, and no. But <laughs> hopefully you yeah, hopefully you take some 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 the temperature of, of maybe some people that either listen to the scoop or watch channel five or for some reason think I know what the hell I'm talking about. Maybe they'd yep. give me a yes vote. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate Thank it. Thank you. All right, take it easy, gentlemen. Have a good one.